produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome back to Kind World, a show about how an act of kindness can change a life. I'm Yasmin Ammer. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. So, Yasmin, I know you've heard this before because I definitely have. Differences bring us together, not drive us apart. Yes, yes, and we're more alike than we are different. Yes, of course. Yeah, so I think we're all a little jaded to that notion, but I've got a story for you that will dial back that cynicism and really showcase how having a shared difference actually helped a family. Andrew and Luke, I have them down for 50 grams of sauce each. Dinner at Christy and Matt Smith's home in Tucson, Arizona, is always a bit of a production. As their boys play and rabble-rouse, the parents are meticulously measuring every ounce of food that will go on their plates. I'll just measure. I'll just wait. Tonight, the Smiths are eating pasta with vegetables. My favorite food growing up, probably still one of my favorites, is spaghetti. However, it's not just run up to the grocery store, buy a box of spaghetti, you know, and a jar of ragu. Each box of pasta Christy buys is specially ordered and shipped cross-country, costing about $12. That's because she needs special low-protein spaghetti. In fact, she needs low-protein everything. A glass of milk is actually one day's worth of my protein intake that my body can handle. 36-year-old Christy has a rare genetic disorder called phenylketonuria, or PKU. People with PKU can't break down a specific building block found in protein in order to prevent irreversible brain damage in children and mental disorders in adults. People with PKU drink a special medical formula and keep careful track of their protein consumption, especially in children. Christy has stuck with the strict diet her entire life, and she was able to control her disorder through her teenage years and into adulthood. In 2008, she married her husband, Matt, a couple of years into their marriage, they started talking about having kids. Pregnancy for women with PKU is really a big deal because you have to have those levels really under control and extra tight in order to not cause damage to the baby. For a lot of women, it's very difficult. Given the challenges of pregnancy, the Smiths talked about adoption. So I mentioned to Matt... Hey, we talked about if there's a kid with PKU, we would adopt him, right? And he said, yeah, sure. And I said, what if they're in China? (laughs) Chrissy and Matt were apprehensive about international adoption. They had heard horror stories about children with PKU who were not well cared for. A lot of the adoption stories we hear, these children are not on diet, so they're accumulating brain damage as they go. Um, That's irreversible, so they might not reach their full potential. But after plenty of research, they decided to go for it. And in 2015, Christy and Matt flew across the Pacific Ocean and became parents. We were in China, um, being handed two little kids. Luke and Andrew, both two years old and both with PKU. The boys slowly adjusted to their new lives in Tucson. But parenting toddlers with PKU comes with some difficulty. 
when we feed the two-year-olds, <laughs> it does not necessarily get consumed by said two-year-olds. Right. It might be on the floor, it might be in the hair, it might be on the wall, it might be in the dog's stomach. <laughs> Christy became an advocate for PKU adoption after she saw how hard it was to find families for these kids. And through her advocacy, she discovered Caleb online. I ended up <laughs> falling in love with that little guy and mentioning him to Matt that he's seven and he just, he keeps pulling at my heartstrings. He keeps popping into my mind. And I th- really think we should think about adopting him. Matt agreed. Two years after they adopted Luke and Andrew, they made plans to adopt Caleb. They were also watching the profile of another boy with PKU, Ben, whose need was growing more dire by the day. He'd been waiting for a home for years, and he was 12 at the time, almost 13. Which meant the clock was ticking. Chinese law prohibits children 14 and older from being adopted. If Christy couldn't find a family for Ben, he could be stuck at an orphanage or worse, an adult institution for life, with practically no chance of a formal education or developing real-world skills. Christy was determined to find Ben a home. Me and my friends on Facebook were just begging. I begged my parents, you know, begging friends from church, begging friends from the PKU community, begging friends at work, you know, anybody, everybody needs to adopt this child. Nobody bit. So Matt and Christy decided they had to adopt Ben too. His situation was alarming. Ben's files said he wasn't on the PKU diet. We had no idea what we were walking into. We didn't know what kind of brain damage that we were going to have. It was a lot of unknowns there. With just a month until his 14th birthday, Matt and Christy finalized the adoption and flew to China to bring Ben and Caleb home. When they met Ben, he was nonverbal. It was a rough time just accepting kind of what, what we were taking on. But we knew that he was our kiddo. We knew that he was, that he needed love. And, um, and that he was ours. In just three years, the Smiths went from a family of two to a family of six, five of whom share this rare and challenging disorder. I felt like we had the resources that it took to care for these children. And to not was just selfish on our part. Christy and Matt say their adoption journey was more than just achieving their dreams of having a family. They say they were answering a calling. To learn more about PKU and to see photos of the Smiths, go to wbur.org slash kindworld. We'll be back after the break. Hi, welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Ammer. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. So Andrea, were you a big fan of dolls growing up? I was. I loved playing with dolls. I played with Barbies. I was super into Cabbage Patch Kids dolls. Yeah, I remember I don't those. know if those are still around, but I was like I think mad they into are. those. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think they are. I really loved dolls myself. I loved Barbies. And my mother would always buy me the knockoff versions because they were cheaper. <laughs> 
But it wasn't until I was older that I realized that dolls send this very important message. And for me, as a little Egyptian kid growing up, I thought there was this ideal way to look, which is like Barbie and which is what I definitely do not look like. So I want to share the story of someone who understands how important dolls can be. Her name is Amy Jandrusovitz, and she's a 45-year-old mother of three from New Berlin, Wisconsin, and she's a doll maker. But there's something really special about the kinds of dolls that she makes. I make dolls for kids with limb differences, kids with um, scars or birthmarks or um, things like albinism, kids that could never go into a mainstream market and see themselves on the toy shelves. Okay, super interesting. How did she get into this? Well, Amy actually used to be a social worker for a pediatric oncology unit. So she worked with children who were diagnosed with cancer. And in that job, she loved incorporating play therapy. And dolls were very important. It lets you explain to the child what's about to happen. So um, if the child's about to get, let's say, blood taken, you can actually show them on a doll. And then in a very therapeutic way, the child can do to the doll the things that they have had done to them as well. So I'm actually looking at pictures of the dolls right now. Yeah. And they are so cute. They're, they're just so sweet. And they, um, they're they like Raggedy Ann style, like soft cloth dolls. Mm. And they look just like the little kids that are holding them. They're so sweet. Yeah. And some have no hair. You know, some of them are different colors. And... She's made about 300 of these types of dolls. Each one takes about six hours to sew and to dress. Wow. I mean, that is serious dedication. These are handcrafted dolls. So, you know, what's been the reaction from the kids to these dolls? Amy says it's been amazing. So usually when I finish a doll, then the parents or guardians will send a picture, which is like what a thrill that is to see something that was sitting on my dining room table is now in the arms of somebody else. I think that it's a it's a moving process for them to know that somebody has captured the things that they love in the face of a, of, of a doll. So she actually told me this really sweet story about a young boy with what's called Treacher-Collins syndrome that causes face abnormalities. And he likes to take his doll to school because for him, it makes it just a little bit easier to talk about his condition with the teachers and other kids there. What I really love about this project is that it's redefining what it is to be normal. It's really not something that was emphasized at all when we were growing up, especially in our toys. Yeah, and kids really do pay attention. And that's perfectly illustrated by another wonderful story that Amy told us about her little boy. So, you know, he'd been watching his mother making these dolls. And three years ago, when his mother was getting ready to give birth to his baby sister... He kept asking his mother these really interesting questions. It was just kind of like, wonder what color skin color she'll have. And I wonder, you know, if she'll have five fingers or if she'll have ten. It was just kind of a, that's just the way it is. And I think that that's what exposure does. That is so amazing because in his mind now, there are so many possibilities of what a person can look like. Yeah, right. And these differences to him are just perfectly normal. Thank you so much, Amy Jendrisovitz, for sharing your story with us. And you can find her page on Facebook by searching A Doll Like Me. Hi. 
Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas does our sound design. Gabby Marzowski is our intern, who also produced our segment on A Doll Like Me. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. And I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. If you have a story of kindness you want to tell us, email us at kindworld.wbur.org or find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WBUR Kind World. Thank you.